Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We are your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hi guys. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Boys then. (laughs) No, I think it's fine. Thank you. I was just trying to prove a point that I did not say hi too early. Thank you. You did not say hi too early. I might add a little too late, but it's okay. Right on time. (laughs) I think you did a great job. It was better this time than it has been. Yep, it was great. <laughs> she's just she's like, yep, that was great. She's very cautious. It was guys. so good. We have an announcement to make. We are together in person. Reunited Yay. and it feels so good. For the first time in two months. Oh. Spin. It's a spin on the song. You mean remix? Why do you say the weirdest words for words? <laughs> so I'm drunk. I don't know. We are so excited to be back together in person, you guys. It's to, like, been really so long. <laughs> reach inside my head. And I, th- I know what I mean to say, but a different word comes out, like remix, spin. It's a spin on it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> oh, it's painful sometimes it to be me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we are together, which means that I am done working Saturday nights as of right now. So we are all the tipsy hosts at this point. Hallelujah. We're a little past the tipsy hosts, <laughs> but it's fine. We're having a great night. It's a lovely is it sa- it's a lovely it's Saturday. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a blessing because I greeted them at the door pretty sure. much with, yeah, you with did. alcohol. Yes. And it's been nonstop. I said, let me know what to make you. <laughs> Lindsay chose her white claws like she always does, so I didn't make those. I'm four deep. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently oh that's, that's intense. <laughs> when you haven't drank for like two months because you've been working all weekend every weekend. <laughs> so funny. Four deep in white claws, okay? <laughs> Listen, I said oh, that this episode's gonna be rough gosh. on me, guys, because woo. Okay. Speaking of alcohol, yes, Lindsay and I found a drink on the internet when we, we were googling ourselves. What? <laughs> we googled. We, we googled. I the, forgot about this. We googled <laughs> the Tipsy Ghost, and it came up with a mm, cocktail. And this is what I made you guys. It's called the Tipsy Ghost cocktail. I love it. All right, so can we cheers? And I was not a part of this googling. I just, I just need to make a disclaimer. It's got some things that I don't usually make cocktails with. Uh oh. And some frothiness. <laughs> this is milk. It's also got heavy cream in it. <laughs> it's got heavy cream. Oh my gosh. It does look like a cloud of. Uh, ghost you're supposed ghost to puff. um put draw, <laughs> you're supposed to draw a a ghost in permanent marker on your glass but Whoa. i like my glasses so i didn't oh do that. i was like that doesn't sound use your imagination and cheers to being reunited again after two months oh, yes cheers. clink 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 because we're too far away <laughs> mm. Mm. Ooh, that tastes like ice cream. It does. It's very desserty. I'm good. I'm good with that. What is it? Like, tell me what's in it. It does kind of taste a little bit. It's got a coffee taste or like what a is this? chocolate. It's cho- so chocolatey. It's vodka, and just mm. to go next level, I used my Crystal Head vodka. Mm. Oh, damn! That's pretty good. It's actually. very smooth. Mm-hmm. It's got. Uh, you might be onto something. Crim, oh, crim, oh. crim de cocoa or crim de cacao. Oh, you should have taken a picture before we drink it. Instagram Look at that I did. shit. Mm-hmm. Well, next time we'll get a glass that we can draw a ghost on. (laughs) It's got simple syrup and heavy cream. It's it's actually quite 
delicious. Oh, crap. I, <laughs> I set ground rules and you ruined it. Both, both. I was going to her, tell her to take a picture of me with the drink. Please do. Okay. Please so, take a picture of Lindsay. Here's the thing. We mounted our mics so that we wouldn't touch them constantly. And I touched it within five minutes. So did I. Lindsay and I have both found a way to <laughs> fuck that right up. She tries like, to tame us, but it doesn't work. We're like, oh, you don't want us to touch the mics? Bam! <laughs> struggle bus edit that out it's not you know i won't <laughs> you may as well just not say that <laughs> i may as well just never say edit that out because she never listens to me mm-hmm. and she keeps everything in and then i get the copy of everything like two days before she releases it and i'm like oh cool this thing i said edit that out there it is <laughs> oh cool this other thing i said edit that out there it is tell me about it how about add in the entire audio of you being a cringy bitch from <laughs> Sally House. From Sally House. <laughs> that was my favorite, though. I literally wanted to die. <laughs> I've told her three times. <laughs> oh, it was much louder than that. Thank you, though, for being I told her three times. I just want to go to the basement. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. She doesn't want us to go to the basement, guys. <laughs> I love it, though, because that was, like, my favorite part of the whole night. <laughs> For the record, I hate myself also for for that recording, so I'm so sorry. That's all I can say. It's horrible. Thank you. Uh, if you missed the apology in the uh, video, <laughs> go back and listen again. I did apologize in the video. Or, excuse me, there was no video. Oh. I only said it because you said it. <laughs> I'm old. In the, uh, whatever, Audio. recording audio that's that's called episode podcast episode episode what is this thing what are these are these called microphones i don't know i'm old okay oh shit (laughs) stop touching the microphone i didn't mean to it's so true i think you just need to bind our hands because it's our hands why don't you sit on your hands oh no no that's not gonna work for me you can't do that I'm an expressive talker. Mm. So, guys, what else is going on besides us being reunited? I feel so good. <laughs> Tried really hard not to laugh. <laughs> I would have made it through if you hadn't laughed. Okay, we won't laugh. Go ahead. No, do it no, again. The moment's fast. That pitch. What other? What that other pitch songs? Was right on. What other songs you got in your arsenal? That have reunited in it. That's the only song I know. Oh, I've got that um, 19 Crimes Leftover. Can somebody please drink it? What? I mean, don't, oh, you're the, looking at me. The yes, bottle of wine that has like that with the person <laughs> who did the things. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that sounds good right now, too. <laughs> okay. Does it sound really good? <laughs> me using my bedtime voice. Oh, <laughs> preview. Okay. Ooh, Lindsay, talk about your couch to 5K. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Look at that, Jinx. Um, I'm doing a couch to 5K. I've been doing it, honestly, since like this all, like once we went under lockdown and went under stay-at-home orders because my anxiety started getting really bad and I couldn't get in to see a doctor because, you know, things were crazy. COVID. Because of COVID. And so I was like, you know what? Let's see what I can do. I was taking care of my mental health as much as I could at home. So I was like, let's try some exercise. So I haven't ran probably since college. Uh, Maybe a couple years after college, I did a 5K. That was pre-kid. 
And so I was like, let's let's do the couch to 5K. So I am on week seven of running. Wow. And I've kept up with it for seven weeks now. And Very good. How many weeks are there? Um, Next week's the last week, honestly. Oh. So now you can run a 5K. So it's kind of, I talked with <clears throat> Sarah a little bit about this, but it's kind of like based off time. So it goes like, today I ran for 25 minutes straight. And so oh, starting how long next a 5K week. Is? Depends on how fast. Depends on how many miles is a five k. Three point two. Three point one. One. Three point one. Oh. So I ran a mile and a half today. Find out. Um, next week my goal is to run two miles, and then the week after that is to run three, and then I'm just going to keep increasing it like week by week. Even though I've done the couch to five k now, I'm just going to keep increasing it week by week and hopefully improve my times as well. It is uh, 3.107 miles. Oh, 3.1. Okay. So, <laughs> one zero seven. <laughs> so, I do feel better on the days that I run. I don't run on the days I work because I just don't have time. It's been good for my mental health to, like, also get outside when you're just stuck at home all day. I need, like, something to control myself so that way I'm not, like, huge when this is over and I have to put on real pants again. <laughs> You were wearing real pants today. I am. Guys, I told them when I got here, I put on a real bra for the first time in two months, <laughs> and I put on real pants, not leggings. It's always a fun, like, uh, reality check when you have to put on a real bra like and pants. Super fancy. And you're like, <laughs> do they fit? Not really, but it's okay. Here we are. I mean, my boobs haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> really? Mine have. I mean, my, my stomach might have a little bit. <laughs> so other than me running, what is new in you guys' life? Do tell, do tell. Well, we have been booking a few. Mm-hmm. A few, several. We've got a few months lined up for ghost hunting experience trips. Mostly a couple rescheduled events, right? One is rescheduled. Mm-hmm. One or Everything else is just True. working out. True. Hopefully, as long as it doesn't get canceled, nothing has yet. Yeah. Yeah. We have something at the end of May, beginning of June, Mm -hmm. beginning of August, and middle of September. And maybe July. Okay, so we are Are we ready to finally get into this shit? We are. We're doing true crime, guys. Everybody's doing a true crime story. True crime. Here we go. We got some local. We got some international. We are excited. Lindsay's hella excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some true crime, y'all. Sarah, lead us in. Tell Here me about go. some true crime, some murder. Are we ready? I'm okay. ready. I feel like... I feel like... A I, woman. Okay. <laughs> now where I was going with that story. <laughs> Sing it, Shania. <laughs> Man, I feel like a woman. Okay, are we ready? I am ready. All right, so have you guys heard of the book slash movie In Cold Blood? Yes. Heard of it? (gasps) I thought about doing this one. I'm so glad you did it. (laughs) You know they can still hear you even if you whisper. I I was just whispering for the effect. (laughs) Hey, I want to tell you a secret. (laughs) Hey, listeners, it's a secret. Yes, I've heard of it. I have heard of Cold Blood, and I'm so excited. Is that what you're doing? That's She's just heard of Cold Blood, though. <laughs> Not in Cold Blood, I but said, Cold Blood? I I've heard of in Cold Blood. Oh, okay. I, you said I've heard of okay. Cold Blood. When I'm drinking, I talk a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> or slower, depending on who the listener is. I'm so sorry for that loud sound, but that was hilarious. <laughs> Things the are Weezer. Going That's Weezer over there. 
we look just like Buddy Holly. Oh, and the merry time of mine. I don't care what they say about us anyways. I don't care about that. I'm so sorry. All right, in full blood. Okay, wait. Heard of it. So I have... I've also heard of it, but you guys can actually probably tell me more about the book because I'm not much of a reader. I've made that clear, but apparently Truman Capote wrote a book. This is all, in cold blood. This is actually a book I have not read yet. Really, it's on my to be read list. Apparently, it's on his number number two bestseller. Yeah, it's behind Helter Skelter. Super popular. Heard of it. You've heard of it. That's all, you have that's all you either? have to. <laughs> okay, so I'm excited. And then maybe I thought you guys were going to school me on the book and I was going to feel like a fool. I mean, I know about it, but I just haven't actually read the book yet. Please inform me. Oh, okay. Well, um, also there's a movie and I haven't Is watched it called the movie. In Cold Blood? It is, yes. Yes, yeah. I've seen the movie, but I haven't read the book. Have you now? Um, have. This is going to shock you, but I have not seen the movie. <laughs> that does shock me a little. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. This is a story of a girl. It goes like this. Uh, his name was Richard. <laughs> <laughs> he went by Dick. Richard Dick Hickok. Dick Hickok. Yep. And also, I, there's a special place in laughter for a serial killer named Dick. Mm -hmm. Because you're the worst. Okay. You're a dick. You're also a dick. Um, <laughs> I mean, true. I mean, true. Also, you could edit that part out. <laughs> if you're a serial killer, you're a dick. That's what I'm saying. Period. And your name is Richard, and you go by dick. You're a double dick. All right, so he was born June 6th, 1931 in Kansas City, Kansas. His father was an auto mechanic. Uh, they moved around in various parts of the city, and in 1946, eventually moved to a 44-acre farm near Edgerton, Kansas, in Johnson County. Woo woo! Do you know where that is, Lindsay? Yeah, dude, I'm Johnson County all the way, born and raised. Actually, no, no, I was not born. I was Johnson like, you were County. born in Johnson County? <laughs> I was born in North Carolina. <laughs> I <laughs> wow, not even close. I was raised in Johnson <laughs> County from the age of twelve until now. I've been okay, in Johnson County. Okay, that's fairly close. Yeah, most of my life. All right. <clears throat> so this would have been right before he entered high school. It was said. God damn it. Who took a picture? Why did you just take a picture of me? I'm not even talking. <laughs> I'm sure it was really good. Let me see. Let that me makes see. up for the 18 chins I had. Let me see. You son of a bitch. Let me see. <laughs> not showing me. She just got a red face from laughing and she's doing the silent laughter. Oh gosh. I'm scared to look at my sandwich. <laughs> You son of a bitch, I hate you! What? That is a horrible picture of me. I have a lazy eye. One eye is closed. And I've got like a frown face on my face. <laughs> She's like completely incapacitated right now, like head down laughing, losing her mind. <laughs> You post that picture on Instagram, <laughs> you are literally dead to me. Literally dead to me. Oh, what fine. the hell you were doing? You were half blinking. <laughs> 
I didn't mean for the sound to be on, but that really worked out very well. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, it kind of hurts. Continue with your why story, the, please. Why is your eye like that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Send that to Evan. I want to know what he says. Send it. Send it. Send that to your husband. I can't wink. I never learned how to wink. Nobody ever taught me. Okay. Well, you just close one you of your just eyes. Do it naturally. Okay. Yeah, that's like natural to you guys. It's not to me. Can you close one <clears throat> eye and not the other? This thirty years of trying to wink has gotten me to this point. Where was I actually? I don't, I don't even know. Literally, I'm like two. I'm not shitting. I'm two sentences in. Uh... Maybe just start from the beginning. <laughs> really? I in mean, cold blood. What, you have to go back two sentences? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay. My words are all blurring together. <laughs> oh my god. Let's see how my is going to be tough. Your words are blurring together from your mouth, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're speaking in cursive. <laughs> you got this. You got it. Here we go. Richard Dick Hickok. <laughs> that is an unfortunate name. It is. It's the worst. Dick Hick. Dick Hancock or Hick Hickok. Dick Hickok. Oh my <laughs> <I can't>. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't go any better. Than the so first horrible thing. name. Richard Hickoff is easier to say. Hickoff. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What's his last name? Hickok. Hickok. Cock. Dick uh, Cock. Dick Hickok. Oh my gosh, that's a horrible name. It is. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> saying this. That's the times. whole point of the story? Yes, okay. it is. Okay, okay. End story. Okay, end story. Dick Hickok. <laughs> uh, okay, we was born June 6th, 1931 in Kansas City, Kansas. <clears throat> His father was an auto mechanic. They moved around in various parts of the city and in 1946 eventually moved to a 44-acre farm near Edgerton, Kansas in Johnson County. Uh, this would have been right before he entered high school. Um, it was said that the house that they moved into had four rooms, no running water, Ooh. no telephone, and they did very little farming, which was kind of weird for a 44-acre plot of land. What get- were they doing <laughs> on their 44 acres? <laughs> I'm getting the feeling that they didn't really... Keep it up. Yeah. Well. Uh, Richard was known to be very personable, slide, and uh, kind of sneaky. Oh. And <laughs> it was said that he was actually caught sneak or scary stealing. <laughs> I can't remember. He was caught sneaking. <laughs> <laughs> stealing the principal's pocketbook. He knew how to put on a show for people. Um, he would make sure to open the car door for his mother and be a polite gentleman oh, in front sweet. of others. Good. People knew better, though, and um, he eventually ended up with a reputation and was known as somebody that you didn't really want to hang around. He was also known um, to have a mean streak and to laugh at people by pulling cruel pranks and, you know, tripping people and laughing at them, which that's kind of who I am. So he, I was was say, like, <laughs> he was a bully. <clears throat> oh, was he? That's a strong word. I mean, I wasn't getting the bully. So, okay, let me keep going, though. Okay. He attended Edgerton um, High School, where he was an athlete. He was involved in many different clubs, including, like, yearbook. 
and he was also the class vice president. The same year he graduated, however, he began getting in trouble and was associated with some theft, but was never prosecuted, mostly because of how people knew him. So they knew that he was like a nice guy, and they didn't want to prosecute him, you know? A but, nice bully. <clears throat> but he was kind of a he was kind of a jerk, but I wouldn't say bully. Okay. 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 I'm kind of the same way. Same. <laughs> Just I ask I anybody. I people who fall down, and I'm so sorry. I ha- I su- subscribe to an Instagram account <laughs> called Kids Getting Hurt. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, think- <laughs> I think it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> She shows me, and I'm like, this is terrible. It's the saddest thing ever. I didn't ever. know that there was one. <laughs> yes. It's like literally just kids falling down and getting hurt. <laughs> that sounds hilarious. Thank I want to see Thank it. You. Thank you. Uh, okay. This, again, is why you guys need a freaking Hufflepuff in here. I'm like, that's horrible. You guys are terrible people. Oh, We yes. can talk about murder all you want, but kids falling down, no. I draw the I mean, line. As long as they're okay, I'm fine. Like, All right, here we go. In 1950, he was driving a car that was owned by the company that he worked for. He attempted to pass a bus in the rain and lost control of the vehicle on the slick highway and crashed into a ditch. Um, he suffered a, from a concussion and also some severe facial injuries. And according to Truman Capote's book, In Cold Blood, he described his injuries looking like, quote, halved like an apple and then put together a fraction off center. Oh, whoa. So I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. Not a great plastic surgeon. Oh, yikes. That was his senior picture. That was after the accident. I mean, yeah, he looks he looks like a different person almost. Yep. All right. Later that year in 1950, <laughs> he married a young girl named Carol. She was 16 years old, so... Ooh. Whoa. How old was he? Old enough. Okay. Good answer. Wait, wait. Born in 1931. Old enough to have a 16-year-old? Yeah. Or he was, was born like... in 1931. This was... It's like probably legal then. Legal then. 29. Right, right. He's legal, but 16 is not. But I'm wondering if, like, back in that time, it was legal. There's all these weird laws in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That I'm Kansas. serious. Maybe, Seriously, maybe Kansas like back is in, weird. Maybe <clears throat> back in that time, it was legal for a 16-year-old to be a... It might have been. Mm-hmm. You never know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I I didn't look up the, the statutory rape laws in 1950. How dare you. So, I'm sorry. They probably didn't have any. Yeah. You're right. They I'm probably thinking. didn't. So... She was 16, and they eventually ended up having three sons together. Later on, he had an affair. Damn it, dick. Come on, dick. <laughs> Damn it, dick. <laughs> God, what is that laugh? <laughs> That's really what's fucking me up right now, <laughs> is, is that laugh. <clears throat> I can't. <laughs> I'm okay. Okay, he remarried uh-huh. after he remarried. You <laughs> fuck it. This, this whole episode is just me laughing in a wheeze. I mean, yeah. He's quoted to say that he drank a lot during this time, and he wrote a lot of bad check. Ooh. So this is kind of like a premonition of what's to come. That's Uh-oh. frowned upon. Uh, he also became a thief. He stole a hunting rifle and some other firearms from a farmer near his parents' house. He was eventually caught for this and convicted. He was sentenced in March 1958. 
to a term in the state penitentiary at Lansing. And this is not a surprise here, but his second wife divorced him. Oh, after he sent Why? away to prison. Federal penitentiary. It's shocking. So a little bit about Perry Smith. He was born October 27th, 1928 in Huntington, Nevada. He was known to be very sensitive, but had a dark streak. He can make you feel so sorry for him, his sister said. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. He eventually was living in a Catholic orth- orphanage where he suffered from physical and emotional abuse, mostly from wetting the bed at night. Ooh. I feel like this is part of a triad. Like at what age? Does it say what age he was wetting the bed at? It was before eight. Okay. Okay. Five, six, seven? Yeah. Which, honestly, I don't feel like is that abnormal. I mean, it depends on the frequency, honestly. True. So, he eventually joined the army and was honorably discharged in 1952. He suffered an injury not long after, and he developed an addiction to aspirin, which is just a thing. Why would you be addicted to aspirin? I don't know. I don't get that. That's what they said, and I kept thinking, can you be physically addicted to aspirin i don't know and maybe i'm just totally ignorant are there any addictive qualities to aspirin other than the mental thing aspect of like i have to have it right i get that but the physical aspect like of the withdrawals and everything i don't think that there is but i don't know was aspirin different back then i mean it's possible i don't know So he, he definitely suffered from some real pain. He had chronic pain that he was trying to treat. And I think that that's kind of where this all stemmed from. All right. He eventually was convicted for a robbery and escape. <laughs> There's a story that went into that. But he went to a different prison and he and other prisoners escaped through a window. And he fled for a long time, went to like Massachusetts and some other places. And they finally ended up catching him and sending him and convicting him into Lansing also. So they- that... He made it all the way from Kansas to Massachusetts. He was all over the place. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. So anyways, he went to Lansing and that is where he met our friend Dick. 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 All right. So now we can see the marriage of Dick and Perry. Dick and Cock. Got it. Yeah. Whoa. All right. So during their time in the penitentiary, they were... (laughs) This is hilarious. My phone, I was speak texting and I wrote cellmates. My, Mm -hmm. um... Soulmates? <laughs> I saw where you're going with this. Which I mean, might have been true. I don't know. So Smith uh, Perry had fabricated a story about how he, excuse me, how he killed a man with a bicycle chain what? by strangling him. Ooh. That I did like not they always do. I, kill, yeah. I killed a man. Though. Yeah, this is exactly what happened. Hey, man, listen. I killed a man with a bicycle chain. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I don't know what kind of men you guys are interacting <laughs> with, but I've never met someone who's like, hey, I'm not a man with a bicycle Also, chain. I realized how ridiculous I sound halfway through. <laughs> I don't know who you guys are talking with. Hey, hey, listen here. I, I killed a man. I killed a man with a bicycle chain, fucking choked his ass. They're not the same men that I talk to. Like in prison? I feel like that's a thing. Do you talk to a lot of men in prison? <laughs> no, but I watch okay. some prison shows. I mean, I feel like I know, okay. but I don't. And those are reality? Yeah, like 60 days in. Is that jail or prison? I don't know. I don't watch that show. I don't know, but I sounded really ridiculous, so. (laughs) What is the hand motion? She's wanting, that's her hand motion to edit that out, and I am ignoring. Hey! (laughs) 
here we are. What else <laughs> happened in prison? <laughs> Obviously, that was not true. Perry never killed a man with a bicycle chain, but he was trying to, trying to earn some prison cred. Unfortunately, all it did for him was show Dick that he was pretty hardcore, meaning Perry. You know, eventually he could call on him for some of the more violent things that he needed to happen later in life. <laughs> in 1959, Smith was paroled and Hickok got a new cellmate. His name was Floyd Wells. So Floyd Wells was a person who told Hickok about tales of a wealthy farmer that he once worked with. His name was Herbert clutter and he lived in holcomb kansas yep. are you familiar with holcomb i am so wells told hickok about a safe inside clutter's office and in his imagination he made up this whole like blueprint in his house so he told him this tall tale and he printed it up in his house and he was like okay i got it i can do this and he told him that the safe contained tons of money from the weekly earnings there. Okay. Hickok was paroled in middle August in 1959 and he moved back in with his parents um, on the farm near Edgerton and went to work at a body shop in Olathe. He remained obsessed however with the idea of a big score that would set him up in luxury meaning like he was told about this big money. He decided he would travel to southwest Kansas and rob the clutter safe and then disappear and he would need an accomplice so he reached out to Perry. This right? sounds like a foolproof plan. He sent some letters to him and he and Perry decided to agree with the plan and he arrived by bus november 12th he went to the parents farmhouse um hickok told him this is my friend and they were like absolutely not this guy is weird mm -hmm. that's pretty much went down and uh they were like he cannot stay here mm -hmm. so he went and left they he stayed at the hotel in olathe and so what hotel is in olathe it actually was called hotel olathe Guys. I don't know what it's called now. <laughs> There's a lot of hotels in Olathe now, Olathe's, but I don't know in the 1930s. Olathe's not that big. Olathe's huge. <laughs> you suck. Olathe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're so... I don't know what just happened, but... Funny. <laughs> I've clicked Lindsay got a friend in. Olathe. Can you guys stop to... calling it Olathe, please? No, it's Hotel Olathe. Olathe. It is. It was Hotel Olathe. That part is true. They... <laughs> Perry Smith went and stayed at Hotel Olathe, <laughs> and Dick Hickok went over and met him there, and they Dick were Hawk. like, coming up with some plan. <laughs> I love his name. Dick Hawk and Olathe. <laughs> Can we Hawk just call him Dick Hawk? <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, tired of like saying Dick Hickok. I feel like that's like an abbreviation. Abbreviation? Oh. <laughs> Is it an abbreviation? Thank it's you. an abbreviation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dick Ock went over there and he was like, hey, man, I got a plan. We're going to go out to this farm. We're going to rob it. It'll be fine. And uh, Perry Smith. going to do? Hold up the, the wheat? What are you going to do? <laughs> and Perry Smith was like, nah, man, I don't really want to kill anybody. And he was like, it'll be fine. It'll be passive. Good for Perry. That's Good what, for him. That's what they tried. <laughs> Good for him. He's like, hey, I don't want to kill anybody. Good oh, for him, dude. Such a Hufflepuff. So they tried. Shut up. The Hufflepuffs are the best. <laughs> yeah. So they tried. They drove 400 miles from Olathe to the um, Holcomb, Kansas yeah. farm where the Clutter family lived. Okay. There were four of them. It was the parents. Herb. Hold on. Herb. 
So Herb and Bonnie were the parents, and in the house at the time were Kenyon and Nancy. They did have two other children, but the, they were girls, and they were already married or engaged and moved out of the house. So Dick and Perry made the long haul out to Holcomb, Kansas. They made it out there. They parked far away from the house. Um, they decided to go ahead and sneak in through a side room, because remember, he knew he knew the footprint. <laughs> the blueprint? If you say footprint one more time. <laughs> I think it's been proven to you over and over again. It's called the blueprint. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He knew the blueprint. The, the house. blueprint. Phew. That had been drawn up in his mind by his old cellmate. Mate. Mate. Apparently I'm Australian. Oh, oh no, no, no. I draw the line at you offending Australia. Okay. I wasn't trying to offend them. I was trying to be cool. It's just because you want Australia to really listen to us. <laughs> I want Australia to like me. <laughs> well, I just ruined that for you. All right. So they found the blueprint in his head because Floyd gave him an outlining of what the house looked like. They snuck in the house. The two entered through an unlocked side door and it led directly to Herbert Clowder's office um, where there was supposed to be a safe containing thousands of dollars. They found no safe. Oh. They did find Herbert Clutter in his bedroom and forced him to lead them to his wife. Um, both denied that there was any safe. And remember, that's the whole reason that they went there, because there was supposedly thousands of dollars in a safe. So Hickok was convinced that one existed, so he decided to tie them up and search the home. During this time, they actually awoke the other two children, Nancy and Kenyon, and eventually bound them up as well. And I read that they tied them up in different rooms in the house. In the end, Smith cut Herbert Clutter's throat and then finished the job with a blast from a 12-gauge shotgun. And what I had read was that Perry had kind of called Dick out on his bluff and said, you're not going to do it, you're not going to do it, because he held a gun or a knife out. He said, you're not going to do it. And then he panicked. And so then Perry Smith took the knife out of his hand, cut his throat. Mm. And then our friend Herb, who struggled hard after this, his neck got cut. It wasn't fatal. Um, so he said, I um, then shot him to put him out of his misery. That seems like almost overkill to me. Right. It is. And in like, his mind. how do mind, you survive getting your throat slashed? Because they didn't do a great job. Mm, I don't that's know. awful. Well, that sounds so... Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So Perry then said in his interview later in Truman Capote's book that he, you know, only shot him because he could tell he was suffering. Yeah. And so he went ahead and shot him to put in him out of his misery. Oh, that's so nice of you after you right, that's his exactly what I'm and saying. killed him. You could have uh, called 911. Right. Right, right. You could have not done anything. You um, were still planning to kill him no matter what. Yeah. Um. If, after this... So they went in one by one. I don't know if you hear me say, Lindsay, that they had each victim in separate rooms. And they went and shot them separately. Oh, gosh. Each room. I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah. But they were surprisingly really good at cleaning up after themselves. And they picked up all the shotgun shells. And the whole time they were wearing gloves. So they yeah. cleaned up after themselves. And during that time in the 50s. DNA wasn't really a thing. Yeah, DNA was not a thing. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, they left the scene, they flew the scene, and they went back home to Edgerton. Yeah. And um, there are interviews with Hickok's dad that say that, you know, he came home and there was a little bit of 
awkwardness because like he came in and slept on the couch and that wasn't normally like him Mm -hmm. he slept all day during a sunday normally they'd be up at church so he definitely noticed like some odd behavior but didn't really call him out on anything because just like sleeping that was the only odd behavior he yeah well that sounds like depression yeah yeah i was gonna say or just staying out well he was out all night on a saturday and sleeping on a sunday which i don't know if during that time that that was the norm right so maybe that was kind of weird but they didn't really call him out but they they didn't really think that he was hanging out with perry back in holcomb though a friend of nancy's came to the house on a sunday the next day to wake them up because the parents took her to church Mm -hmm. in town her parents didn't take her so she didn't get an answer at the door and uh, when that did happen she kind of panicked and went down the street got a friend came back and they went inside They saw Nancy there, and there are interviews of her, yeah, talking about how she walked in and saw Nancy's lifeless face as well as a teddy bear of hers looking up at her. Oh, but she luckily didn't have to see the rest of the family. But yeah, yeah, she saw she saw all of her friend, which Mm. is unfortunate. There was a huge manhunt that went out for the murderers and uh, they didn't realize at the time that hickok they had escaped at this time unknowingly to mexico they had been to mexico they had tried fleeing to vegas and different places ultimately there was a tip that went off from none other than floyd our good friend from the prison cell oh floyd hey snitches snitches he didn't want to give (laughs) tips actually because of that he said yeah i didn't want to give a tip because i didn't know what would happen to me right yeah because it was kind of his stitches yeah tip for it to happen exactly yeah and he says that he heard it and he thought that like it was fake you know there was no way that this could have happened sure but when he heard what actually went down he kept saying that's exactly like hickok said it would happen in jail so Mm. like they would say the details of the murder and he kept going it's exactly what he said would happen (laughs) there they go so he finally tipped off the police and they were able to arrest them a jury in garden city kansas convicted them in march of 1960 and sentenced the two of them to death by hanging Mm. hanging in 1960 i feel like that's pretty late right i feel like that's pretty late too especially in america and yeah I don't know. I don't know. I feel my, like we were doing lethal injections. I was gonna say I don't then. know my death penalties very well, but I feel like it was at least a maybe we should firing be... squad or something by then. Firing squad. Maybe we should brush up on our girl. History. We should. Let's do one. Oh, so five for five years. Hickok and Smith sat on death row at the Kansas State Penitentiary in Lansing, which I didn't realize that that's where it was. Exhausting their appeals, and just after midnight on April fourteenth of nineteen sixty-five, they were marched to a gallows and hanged. 1965. That feels like really recent. That's fairly recent. To be hanged. I cannot deal. That is the story of Perry Smith and Richard Dick Hickok. Dickock. Dickock. And there you go. Who knew that they were, he, Dick Hickok, was from Edgerton? No. Lindsay did. You did know that. I did. But I, like I've said, I've like seen the movie and I have. I've never seen the movie. Did you like the movie? I did. Did did a lot of that match up? It did. And I've okay, been, good. I've been wanting to read the book forever and I just have never sat down to actually read it. You should um, listen to an Audible. I, sh- I don't like She doesn't Audible do books. Audibles. I don't do Audible books. I have uh, to read it. I'm an um, Audible person. So Same. it's been on my to be read. It's been <laughs> on me 
to be read list forever. And so maybe I should read it now. Well, I think you should. I should. I think you should because apparently Truman Capote did a bunch of interviews. Yeah, I've heard it's a really good book. Them? Like, I mean, it's one of the best true crime books there is. I will read it if you read it. Deal? Deal. Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Where are we flying to from Kansas City? Well, we're going to end up in Oregon. Oh. Oregon. Okay. So I'm oh, the only Oregon. one international this time? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Wait, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Has anybody heard of Jerry Brudos? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've I heard I might of have him. heard of the crime, so keep going. <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Keep it going. So Jerry Brudos. I'm not going to intro anything. You're just going to take the ride along with us. I'm excited. Jerry Brutus was born in Webster, South Dakota, as the younger of two sons. His mother wanted a girl and was really disappointed that she had another son. So, yeah, she (laughs) constantly would subject him to emotional and physical abuse as a child. That's not okay. Yeah, just because she wanted a girl and he didn't have... The correct parts. So he ended up having a fetish for women's shoes from the age of five. And this occurred after playing with stiletto heels at a local junkyard. I feel like that's really young. It's very young, yes. Okay. He reportedly attempted to steal the shoes of his first grade teacher. What was his name again? Jerry Brudos. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. I know. Mm-hmm. I know now. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I do. Okay. I know exactly <laughs> I don't who know this at all. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. As soon as you said women's shoes fetish, mm-hmm. I knew exactly who you were talking about. I figured, oh. continue. I figured of course, somebody of course. would okay. know something. Yeah, sure. Women's shoes. Yeah, I'm on board. No, yeah, not included. at all. No, I did. I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Brutus also had a fetish for women's underwear and claimed that he would steal underwear from female neighbors as a child, which is pretty creepy because mm-hmm. if he was a child and I'm, I guess I assume that his female neighbors are also children, but I guess it could be the adult neighbors. I yeah. don't know. It probably was, but honestly. I, it's just, He had know, a fetish with his mom or something. Yeah. Mm, I don't like where this is going already. Yeah. It's not a great place. He spent his teen years in and out of therapy and psychiatric hospitals. And also in his teenage years, Brutus began to stalk local women, knocking them down or choking them unconscious and fleeing with just their shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Perfect. Why not? not? Cool. We're good. Everything's fine. Yeah. At age 17, he abducted and beat a young woman, threatening to stab her if she did not follow his sexual demands. No. And shortly after being arrested, he was taken to a psychiatric ward in an Oregon State Hospital for nine months, and there it was found that Brutus's sexual fantasies revolved around his hatred towards his mother and women in general. He underwent a psychiatric evaluation and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Hmm. At 17? At 17. Okay, that's super young, but okay. It is. In 1961, Brutus married a 17-year-old girl with whom he would father two children, and that's when they moved to Oregon. They settled in a Salem suburb. He asked his new bride to do housework naked, except for a pair of high Mm. heels while he took pictures. Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. Are we creeped out? I'm. I've been creeped out since the five-year-old thing. 
Yes. It was at about this time that he began complaining of migraine headaches and, quote, blackouts, relieving his symptoms with night prowling raids to steal shoes and lace undergarments. Mm. From, like, other women? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I mean, or men, you know, you do you. Yeah, this is all cool. It's, everything's fine. So here's where it gets... We're dealing. Even not cool. Uh, between 1968 and 1969, Brutus bludgeoned and strangled four young women and attempted to attack two others. Okay, there it is. Here we are. Linda Slauson, a 19-year-old female. She was also a door-to-door encyclopedia saleswoman. Remember that back in the day when you had to look up schoolwork via encyclopedia? I actually do. Um, So she was a door-to-door encyclopedia saleswoman who knocked on the wrong door. She knocked on Brutus's door in January of 1968. He lured her to the basement while his mom and children were in the house. He knocked her out with a wooden plank. He strangled her. He dressed her up in different female undergarments and shoes he had stolen and arranged her body in provocative poses and then used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot which he kept in a freezer and used to model his collection of high-heeled shoes no i know it's not good i don't like this the rest of the body besides that foot that he kept he disposed in the willamette river And then there's Karen Sprinkler, who was 18. She was abducted at gunpoint from a parking lot outside a department store in May of 1968. Brutus was dressed in women's clothes during his attack. He brought her to his garage, made her try on his collection of undergarments and pose while he photographed her. Then he raped her and strangled her by hanging her by her neck from a pulley. Yeah, and then he had sex with the body on several occasions, cut off her breasts to make plastic molds. Oh my gosh. And afterward, he tied his body, or tied the body to a six-cylinder car engine with nylon cord and threw it as well into the Willamette River. Mm, No. (laughs) I know. Jan Susan Whitney, 23 years old, uh, was a motorcyclist whose car broke down on I-5 between Salem and Albany on November 26, 1968. Brutus offered to drive her to his home with the excuse of letting her call a tow truck from there. And while still in the car, he strangled her with a leather strap and raped her post-mortem because that seems to be his M.O. Mm. He kept the body hanging from the pulley in his garage for several days, during which he dressed, photographed, and had sex with it. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. This time, Brutus cut off one of her breasts and made a resin mold of it that he used as a paperweight. Oh, gross. Yeah. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, he tied the body to a piece of railroad iron and threw it again, in the Willamette, along with Slauson's foot because it had began to rot. So Sharon Wood was 24. He attempted to abduct her at gunpoint from the basement floor of a parking garage in Portland on April 21st of 1969. Um, And then there is Gloria Jean Smith, who was 15. He also attempted to abduct her just a day afterwards on April 22nd, 1969. So finally, Linda Sally, who was 22, 
abducted from a shopping mall parking lot on April 23rd, so the day after he attempted to abduct the the previous two. Uh, in 1969, he brought her to his garage where he raped her, strangled her, and played with her corpse. Oh, gosh. He decided not to cut her breasts off because they were, quote, too pink. Oh, okay. That's so nice of him. What? And instead drove an electrical current through the body in an attempt to make it jump. Like after she was deceased? Uh, Yep, this is her corpse. Okay. Okay. And that failed. He was not able to do that. Thank God. Afterward, he tied the body to a car transmission with a nylon cord and... uh, as we all can say by now, he threw it in the Willamette River. Brutus would dress up in high heels and masturbate after committing his murders. Mm. He kept the shoes, underwear, and for some time, the bodies of his victims in the garage. And he would not allow his wife to enter without first announcing her arrival via intercom that he had set up. So in May of 1969, a fisherman found the bodies of Sally and Sprinkler um, in the Long Tom River, which connects. And the police asked students at a nearby university campus about suspicious men. And one of them uh, led them to Brutus, who had phoned her several times to ask her for a date. Um, He ended up giving police false Uh, a false address, which increased their suspicions, of course. And at his garage, the police found a copper wire that was determined to have been cut with the same tool that the cords used to tie the bodies were cut with. Um, He eventually was arrested and he made a full confession. And on June 28th of 1969, he pled guilty to first-degree murders of Sprinkler, Whitney, and Sally and was sentenced to three consecutive terms of life imprisonment in Oregon State Penitentiary. Mm. And so that obviously is not all of his victims. And he confessed to Slauson's murder but he was never tried nor convicted for it because he did not make or keep photographs of the body, unlike in the other cases, just only with her foot. And Whitney's body was found a month after Brutus's Brutus's conviction, about a mile downstream from where he said he had thrown it. So there wasn't enough evidence for those two in particular. While incarcerated, he had piles of women's shoe catalogs in his cell, and he wrote to major companies asking for them and claimed that they were his substitute for pornography, which he wasn't allowed to have in prison. Mm. He lodged countless appeals, including one in which he alleged that a photograph taken of him with one of his victims' corpses would not prove his guilt because it was not the body of a person he was convicted of killing. And in 1995, the parole board told Brutus that he would never be released. And he ended up dying in prison... On March 28th of 2006 of liver cancer. At the time of his death, he was the longest incarcerated inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections for a total of 37 years from 1969 to 2006. Probably for good reason. Mm-hmm. So can I talk yet about who I th- thought you were talking about? Yeah, it did, did it end up to be the same person. I don't think so. You don't think so? Edmund Kemp. The like guy who cut off people's body parts and used it. So I know who you're talking about, but yeah. no, it's 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 different. Wow. Very similar though. It is very similar. He was obsessed mm-hmm. with women's shoes, women's high heels in particular. Edmund Kimber? Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he killed his mother, too. So. Yeah, he chopped off her head and had oral sex with her yeah. dead head. Very messed up. Very messed up. Which this guy that you did, too, Brutus, was very messed mm-hmm. up. Very messed up. That's why it reminded me a lot of him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Edmund, Edmund Kemper, Kemper it was also schizophrenic and yeah. but all he, of that. But um, yeah. no, they happen to have very eerily similar interests yes. in crimes. However, they are not the same person. Wow. It's messed up that he had like this fetish from five years old. Five. Like mm. that it was that established already at that young of an age. I literally thought the whole time it was the same person. Mm-hmm. So interesting. You should. You should. Um, have you ever watched Mind Hunters? No, I've been thinking about it. Mm, I like good. the more like docu series instead mm-hmm. of like a reenactment type. thing. I know how you don't like to be told what to do when it comes <laughs> to shows. Well, I have been considering this one, so I think you've got more of a yeah a play Mind, on this. Mind Hunters is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's not like real real people, mm-hmm. but it's based on. Real events. Also, Edmund Kemper is part of it, a big part of the first season. Did you watch it? You, I haven't seen You totally actually. should. Speaking of Mindhunters, Charles to watch Manson it. is part of season two. It's excellent. Speaking I of Mindhunters, yeah. Brutus is portrayed by actor Happy Anderson in Mindhunter Can season one, episodes seven and eight. Oh, look what's at his, that. What's his picture in the episode? Um, it, this is on Let Wikipedia, so I'll pull it up Let on my phone. Let me my drinks over. This is him in, this is Happy Anderson portraying Jerry Brudos in Mindhunter. Okay, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should definitely watch that. That show is excellent. I've heard really good things about it. I just haven't it's, like, sat down to watch so it. So it's so cool. It's all about the FBI profiling piece but. of it, which we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But until you watch it, mm-hmm. so good. It is so good. Yeah. I heard good things. You should. Maybe you should watch it. watch it. I tried to do a shorter but different true crime story You today. did a great job. Thank you. It. Thank you. It's way better than mine. I'm sorry. I love you too. I crushed. <laughs> I crushed it. Literally. <laughs> crushed it. Okay. So am I up? Lindsay Boo Boo, what you got, here, girl? Here we go, Lindsay. We're ready for you. I and did. this is this is dedicated to, to me, Sarah. It Hi. is dedicated to you. I can't wait to um, it. She's never dedicated anything to me. I don't know why it's dedicated towards me. But Can I'm... the next one be dedicated to me? <laughs> I'm not making any promises, guys. So, this one... <laughs> this one is based in Malaysia. It's not in America. Oh, thank God. Malaysia. I, I try to pick, like, the most obscure international... So that nobody gets... I knew it. I knew, yes, we, I knew I we would it. be back in Malaysia. God damn it, I almost picked Malaysia. I almost picked South Malaysia. So, this is about Mana Fandi, um, and she is from Malaysia. Her real name is Mazna Ismail, and she was born January 1st, 1956 in Kangar, Malaysia. Adapted the name Mana Fandi, Mana Fandi, gosh, that's hard to say, when she became a pop singer. She wanted to basically, like, <laughs> boost her popularity, so she adopted this, like, fake name. She came out with a self-sponsored album entitled Diana. And also made a few television appearances. She married her biggest fan. Guys, I'm going to butcher this. Muhammad Noor Afandi Abdul Rahman. I feel like you nailed that. He promised to fund her quest to become Malaysia's biggest pop star. Spoiler alert. 
she did not become Malaysia's biggest pop star. Okay. So she ended up leaving the music business because she realized that she wasn't making it big. And she instead, are you ready for this, Sarah? I'm ready. She became a spiritual witchcraft. Sounds like my spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) So she became known as a Boma, which is a local shaman. Okay. And she did it with her husband. So the belief there in Malaysia and witchcraft is pretty strong. Um, It's common among them. And so she offered various services to clients, mostly from the upper class, politicians, people who could pay a lot of money. Because like I said, they were pretty popular there. People believed in it. So they were reportedly, her and her husband, that is, so successful that they were able to purchase several mansions and luxury cars. That's, that's great. Am I doing okay, guys? Killing it. <laughs> so one politician came to them. Um, he was a state assembly man for the constitute. Ah, gosh, I'm going to butcher all this. <laughs> for the constituency. Constituency? Yep. I got you. <laughs> so close. For the... <laughs> Beidou Talam. Okay. In the state of Pahang. He was... <laughs> <laughs> Probably nailed it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, know I, can't I can't say for sure. He was actually educated in the USA and was ambitious and part of the UMNO party, which is the United Malays National Organization. His name was Datuk Maslin Idris. <laughs> I feel like Sarah's just laughing at me. I'm laughing at most people all the time. I'm so sorry. So he sought her services You're as a what, as a um, I keep forgetting <laughs> what they call them, but I keep wanting to say shaman, and I know that's what we call them as a bomo because he wanted to boost his political career. He was wanting to advance his career there. So she worked with her husband, and they had an assistant named. Gosh, why do I do this to myself with international <laughs> names? Jer- oh no, Jerami Hassan. Okay. So they promised to help him, um, Maslan, who's the politician, by giving him a talisman consisting of a cane and a sabatmi headgear, which was supposedly owned by former Indonesian president Sukarno. So they were like, hey, we'll give you all of these cool little trinkets. They were owned by previous successful men. They're going to help you out. And he was like, cool. That sounds awesome. Mona convinced Moslem that he would be invincible if he held the talisman. He wasn't invincible, guys. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, in return, she demanded $2.5 million. Ugh, I say dollars. I shouldn't have said dollars. It's like their currency, which is Malaysian ringgit. It's called RM. So she asked for $2.5 million RM. Back then, it was about $576,834. So still about that half a million. Very, that's a lot specific. of money. Yeah. So he paid them. I don't know them. how much, but it was $5,786.435.90.4 <laughs> half a cent. I told you I did the currency equivalent. <laughs> um, he paid them 500000 which was about $115,000. As a deposit, and then gave them 10 land titles as, like, hey, I'm going to pay you back for the remaining $2 million, but here's these land titles that you can have until then. So shortly after receiving the payment, a.k.a. the deposit, Mona asked Moslin to visit her at their home for a black magic cleansing ritual. What do you think happened? It wasn't good. It failed. It's not a great situation. It, was, it, it wasn't really a black magic ri- cleansing ritual. Did it stir things up? 
Oh, wait, no, this isn't the Paranormal Podcast. No, it's not. Oh, okay. But I feel like they're intertwined. So he was persuaded by the couple to take part in a ritual where he was to lay on the floor with his eyes closed and wait for the money to fall from the sky. Hmm. Okay. Instead that of, happens. Instead of money falling from the sky, what do you guys think fell from the sky? Knives. A blade of an axe fell on his head. That was close. So he was decapitated. Dang. And then they dismembered him. Whoa. Um, and then, because they weren't done... They partially skinned his body. Okay. That's yeah. an, that's a little extreme. It's a little excessive. Um, so the assistant, Jerami, he's the one who chopped off the head. Um, his body was found cut up into 18 pieces and buried in a hole near Mona's home. Dang. That's extreme. It's super extreme. 18 pieces. After being, like, skinned alive, too. Or, I mean, oh. he wasn't alive because he's decapitated, but, like, skinned. So, Moslin was reported missing on July 2nd, 1993, after he was seen withdrawing from his bank 30,000 RMs, um, which was about $12,000. He was reported missing after he was um, not seen at several UMNO functions. So, the day after the killing, Mona was reported to have been seen on a shopping spree in a new Mercedes-Benz and had a facelift. Oh, my. So, Jerami, the assistant, he was questioned by police because, ironically, he was just picked up by police for an unrelated drug charge, like, a couple days after the murder. And he was high on drugs and basically confessed to everything. He led police to the storeroom where the body parts were hidden. And on July 22nd, 1993, police found Moslin's body it was found buried 1.8 meters beneath the storeroom of an uncompleted house and sealed over with a concrete cap. It was alleged that the murder occurred between 10 and midnight on July 18th. 1993. So Mona, her husband, and the assistant were all arrested pretty much right away once they found the body, or the body parts, I should say. Um, only parts of the body were found. Like I said, only 18 parts were found, but there are rumors that the trio ate the other parts that were still missing because they never found the other oh, parts. Oh, no. Yeah. Yikes. They found 18 parts, but they're like, there's still pieces missing, so maybe they ate them. Ooh. Mm, probably. Probably. Let's hope not, because that's real disturbing. Also, how did you spell Jerome? Um, let's scroll up, because you had me scroll down. J U R A I M I. How would you pronounce that? J U R A I M Jeremy. <laughs> so they arrested all three of them it was a highly publicized trial so she used to be like a really famous singer or not really famous but famous in malaysia and so it was a highly publicized trial they were tried in the high court by a seven-person jury and the trial by jury fun fact i'm gonna come back to this was abolished from january 1st 1995 in malaysia where they're only trialed by a judge there's no jury. The case lasted 65 days and they heard evidence from 76 different witnesses. The prosecution told the court that money basically was the motive for the killing and pointed to the shopping spree, the facelift, and the new Mercedes-Benz that she had bought. Jerami, the assistant, he testified against Mona and her husband and revealed all of the gruesome details of the murder. They said in their defense that Moslin owed the couple 2 million ringgit, which was about you know, half a million dollars in U.S. for a magic cane, talisman, and the hat. So they're saying, hey, he never paid up. This is why they killed him was 
the money, which doesn't make sense to me because how would they get the money when he was dead? But whatever. So it took the jury only 70 minutes to deliberate. And when they did, they reached a unanimous verdict of guilty against all three people. Mona was known because she was like smiling and wearing bright colors throughout the entire like she wasn't mourning? She was not mourning. She was like smiling, posing for the cameras, wearing bright colors, like all happy. And so when the verdict was read on February 9th, 1995, she was just smiling and standing there like not a care in the world. Um, So they were all found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging because, fun fact, they were charged with murder under Section 5 or Section 302, excuse me, of the Malaysian Penal Code, which back then carried a mandatory death sentence so it was like hey you get charged with this you're gonna get killed right so when she was sentenced to die by hanging she turned to the court and said i am happy and thank you to all malaysians yeah makes me uncomfortable yeah um all three of the individuals who were found guilty filed appeals over the years they filed appeals to the federal court the court dismissed their appeals um, and upheld the death sentence. They then sought to obtain a pardon or a clemency from the pardons board, which was basically their last chance, and the board again refused clemency. So the three of them were hanged on November 2nd, 2001 at Keijing Prison at dawn. It was at 5.59 a.m. Uh, a prison official stated the trio expressed absolutely no remorse at their execution. So like I said, kind of throughout the trial, she was exhibiting some strange behavior, posing for photographs, appearing cheerful, constantly smiling. She said, it looks like I have many fans. And she was also noted to be stating during her execution, I will never die. And was still smiling when they hanged her. Okay. All right, creep. Yeah. Get out of here. Um, the day before the hanging, they were allowed an eight-hour visit with some family members. They were talking with their children, telling them to grow up to be good people. A prison officer said there was a lot of crying and hugging, but then the next day she was, like, smiling and saying, I will never die. So take that with a grain of salt. KFC was their last meal. Oh, Interesting pick. There you go. There you go. So kind of now um, in Malaysia, the government discontinued the trial by jury as of January 1st, 1995, like I said. Instead, the verdict is decided by a judge and that's it. Like There's no jury, nothing like that. Um, and basically this trial had a huge part to play in it because it was so sensationalized. It was publicized because she was famous. Um, and so they said basically how publicized and sensational it was led them to get away with the jury because they're like the jury can be influenced and biased because of their previous you know their preconceived notions and in return india and singapore both abolished their jury system as well so it's been quoted that sensational cases are dangerous because the media that reports these cases can and do influence the thought process of jurors leading to biased verdicts which i mean i get yeah we see that in america all the time absolutely it's that's totally accurate yeah more like cases that are highly publicized, like Casey Anthony, O.J. Simpson, mm -hmm. you know, things mm -hmm. like that. The media forms our opinion, and then it's hard to get, like, a unbiased jury. It's really hard to find 12 people right. who don't have an opinion. So a little fun fact as well. Two of her abandoned mansions still stand and are considered hotspots for adventure seekers and ghost hunters as creepy stuff have been reported by those who dare to trespass. That's us. That's us. Ding, 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 ding. So there you go. I want to go there. That is the case 
of Mona Fandy, who became a witch and basically killed a politician. And may or may not be dead. I mean, she's definitely dead, but... You don't know that. She's a witch. (laughs) She's a witch. It's very creepy because, like, in all the pictures of her that we'll post on Facebook and Instagram, like, she's just... She is. Like, she's wearing bright clothes, and she is smiling and giddy and just, like, posing for the cameras. I'm like, you were on trial for murder. Not only murder, but murder to be hanged. You were talking about the late 60s mm-hmm. hangings in, in America. The, in, in America, yeah. And that's in Malaysia, yeah. Yeah. Wow. The thing still. Great episode, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Witchcraft was- in Malaysia. <laughs> you are welcome. My favorite things. Malaysia and witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) Malaysia, of course. And witchcraft. I like to pick the most obscure countries. (laughs) That is a true statement, actually. You do, but it kind of brings some culture to to our little podcast. Which is what we need to do, because here I am, I'm like... Hey, I brought an episode from Kansas City again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Kansas City? Shocking. I know. Mm -hmm. Did you know this happened in Kansas City? Turns out there's a lot of crazy things that happened here. So anyhow. A lot of crazy things that happened all over the world. Check us out at um, Facebook at The Tipsy Ghost and on Instagram at The Tipsy Ghost. You can also email us your stories at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. And as a matter of fact, please... We beg of you. A lot of you had told us your stories in person. Just take the time. Send us an email. True. It takes like two minutes. Just like send us a quick story. We can make it totally anonymous. We don't have to say your name. We just want to hear your story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a listener's episode and it'll be great. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. So until then. We'll check you out next time. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.